You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host Nilin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, to live and to sell. Welcome back to season 11. This is episode six. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Home Staging Show. So, just a quick reminder: our anniversary giveaway is happening. So. You can enter it right now just by go to sagemore.com/giveaway. We're giving away almost five thousand dollar worth of prizes, so it's a really, really good one. And you can enter every single day to increase your chance to winning this huge prize. We're giving away our six figure floor plan course. We're giving away cash and cushions interior selling course. We're also giving away a book on how to market your home staging business. My five essential items that I always have in my home staging kit, and we are also gonna give away a one-on-one strategy session to go over anything you want to talk about in your home staging business. So it's a really great opportunity. It's lots of prizes. There's gonna be one lucky winner who can win it all. So make sure you enter right now by going to sagemore.com/giveaway. Our listener's question today is from Helena, and she's asking, "Hi, Cindy, how are you? Thanks for setting these free trainings and being so approachable. A little background: I just moved to states, Florida, from Asia, and I'm trying to adjust myself here. Home staging is one of my considerations to start as a freelancer, although I'm not very sure where to start. I did interior design course back in Hong Kong on real projects, and I also dig, dig my feet into floor design for a year." My struggle is to what direction should I focus on, and how can I start to network and create my client base? What about website? What about business name? I don't have a portfolio yet. How do I start creating my portfolio? What about capital budget? Thank you so much, and looking forward to hear from you soon. Have a lovely weekend, Helena R. So these are really great questions, and they're very common when you're first starting out. So I really recommend you to check out this blog post that we have. I'm going to link it, link to it in our show notes. But if you Google "how do you become a home sager" or something like that, and sage more usually pops up on Google. But anyway, I'll link it as well. But we have a free download on that blog post where you can download a free business plan. Or if you come to our website, if you come to our website www.sageshore.com, usually within five seconds there's going to be a pop up that asks you if you want to join our resource library. If it doesn't pop up, you can scroll down to the footer of our website, basically the bottom of our website. There's a link on the left hand side in the footer area that asks you, like basically leads you to join our free resource library. So in the free resource library, there is a free business plan for you to download. It's only 26 pages. It's basically like worksheet style. You just basically fill in the your answers based on the prompt. The reason why I'm mentioning this is that a business plan gives you a really great bird's eye view in terms of what you need to work on, and also what are some of the opportunities and challenges that may that may be in your marketplace, and also the strengths and weaknesses that you have as a business owner and as a business. 
I think when you're first starting out, you, sh you should really look at the overall picture to really understand what are some of the strengths that I can tap into that makes me different within the marketplace. Because every home stage is going to say the same thing. Everyone's going to be saying that um, stage home sell for quicker and for more. I'm really the great stager, the best fit for your business and uh, for your listing. But because everyone's going to say that, what can you do to really differentiate yourself within that marketplace, right? Because how are you going to differentiate from the other stager down the street? Because when the clients don't really understand you, they don't, they're don't they really new to your business, they might just heard of you through word of mouth or they saw you at a presentation, they don't really have any in-depth understanding about you yet. So what are some of the things that you can do to really help them to understand you, especially when they get staging proposals, they're getting quite a few and they're looking at them on a table. Maybe there's one of them, there's two of them or three of them. So how can you stand out between other proposals other than pricing, right? And as we know, if you're competing on pricing, it's basically not a very win-win game. Because there's always somebody who's going to be newer and younger or prettier or just cheaper. So if you're basically competing purely on pricing, that is not going to help you in the long run. So you need to think about what are some of the things that are really that I'm really good at that can be my strength and differentiator in the marketplace. And the other thing you also want to think about what exactly is your marketplace? What are some of the things that are happening right now? So maybe you always want to do just consultations. You don't want to carry on inventory. And that's great. So you need to figure out how can I find those type of clients who are only looking for consultations and what are they like, what are their demographics, um, because every client is very, very different. So a client who's working in the luxury market, of course, they're going to be focusing on different things than the clients who only sell starter homes or who only sell mid-century homes. So the way you talk to them, the way you think about how you market is going to be different. So I think a business plan is a really good way to kind of incorporate all these different elements that you need to think about when you're starting out. And even if you have the business for a while, it's still a really good refresher to just do a business plan, especially now we're in February, it's still in the beginning of the year, you're still in the first quarter. So it's a really good tool for you to really put all this thing together and then have a bird's eye view to see, okay, maybe I need to work on really this inventory piece this, this quarter, figuring out what are some of the best way for us to expand our inventory, to store our inventory, or maybe you look at your finance, you're like, okay, this part is missing. We're hemorrhaging money on this specific area. What are some of the ways we can plug those holes within our finance? So it's a really good way for you to review and see where you progress within your business. And the thing is, like, just because it's a business plan, you're writing things down, it doesn't mean it's set in stone. Um, you can always change things. It's very fluid. And so in the beginning, I really thought business plan is like the super boring thing. And I really hated doing it because if you take any sort of entrepreneurship classes, they always make you write a business plan. But in the recent years, I was studying photography on a very intense level. And then in my previous professional program, they made us write a business plan. And I really see the value of it now. It's because of that I made one for home stagers. And I really was really pushing like you guys, like, you know, if you, there's nothing else you could do or know what to do, just start writing a business plan because you can start giving you directions on 
where you can go, and also what are some of the things you're going to work on in the beginning part of your business and what to think about. So I would say if you don't know what, where to start, start with writing that business plan because it helps you think. It also helps you and pushes you to do research in your market because I think that is really important as well because you need to understand your client. You need to do some like spying basically to understand your clients, where they're coming from, where their pain points. So when you're constructing your marketing, it's much easier for you to learn how to target them as, as, and speak to them as potential clients, basically to attract them into your sphere influence. So I would say if you don't know where to start, start by writing that business plan. And I think it's great you already have interior design course background. You've done projects, even those in another country where design might be a little bit different or the preferred style might be a little bit different. You also done floor design as well. So I think those are really nice background to pull into staging. Like, for example, in our cash and cushion class, we talk a lot about um, design principle and elements in the very beginning of the course, because those are things that are kind of universal. They've been around for a very long time. In art theory and design theory, you know, like we talk about negative space or using shapes, lines, colors, etc. These you all use in interior design anyway, and also you use them in floor design as well. I can say that because I freelance as a florist for a little bit with my friends. And with a floral shop too. So even when you're doing floor arrangement, you're still working with shape, colors, focal point, and lines, and all these different things. So those are really good. So that means that you already have a very strong styling understanding coming into home staging. So that's really going to be helpful for you. I know like one of the things you mentioned that you struggle is what direction you should focus on, where you can start networking and create your client base. So when you're first starting out, just think about this. It's kind of like dating in a way, like you're figuring out where all the single guys are, right? So if you want to meet a guy who, I don't know, like likes to like social and stuff, maybe you go to a bar to meet that guy. If you want to meet a sporty guy, maybe you, you know, do sports, it, whatever kind of thing. And it's the same with attracting clients. So one of the biggest sources for clients, for real estate agents to hang out, really is real estate um, association meetings. And they have them every week for tours, for brokers tours. It's a really good way for you to just come in and start meeting real estate, client, uh, real estate agents and kind of figure out how to talk with them. I think we did a previous podcast episode on this as well. Let me just double check really quick. Yeah, so last week, for example, I talk about how to win clients when you're new stagers, but there are also that like, you can search on the site for sure. I'm pretty sure I've talked about this on previous podcast episodes. So those are kind of things that you can look into and see where exactly and how you can talk to your ideal clients. In the beginning, I think especially it's really difficult to find home sellers because Home sellers may be thinking about selling a house next week or next month or six months from now or six years from now or 10 years from now. It's really difficult, I think, to target home sellers. But for real estate agents, it's so easy because there's always events that are specifically catered to real estate agents. Uh, Women's Council of Realtors is a great one, especially if you're a woman business owner. They love to support other women business owners. So that's a really great one to volunteer at or just go to events, um, especially like 
like our local WCR, they do a lot of events or like their makeup events, for example, their champagne events or their talks, you know, where they are like also like happy hours kind of thing. So it's like really easy ways for you to socialize with other real estate agents. Same thing with real estate association events as well. You can actually ask your local association, like how can you be more involved as an affiliate, as a vendor to in order to work with other real estate agents as well. So those are really good places to start. A lot of real estate agents are also very active in their community. So especially real estate agents who target specific geographic area. So for example, a lot of top producers that we used to work with, they target a specific neighborhood within a city. Because for example, San Francisco has many different neighborhoods with many different personalities. So if you're in Soma, usually it's very startup, very financial type of home buyers and home sellers as well. It's usually more single or young couple, both are young professionals. It's a very like hip, trendy area. Whereas you go to Sunset and Richmond, it's really away from a lot of things. It's by the beach. So the demographic is already very different on opposite side of the city. And it's probably very similar with your city as well. I mean, there's going to be micro neighborhoods that you can specialize in. So it's really important to understand and know those neighborhoods and also who are the top producers or up and coming top producers that are working in those neighborhoods. And so you can do that usually by Googling or go to a, a listing site like Trulia or Zillow or Refin.com to see who are the listing agents in those neighborhoods and start going to the open houses. The other thing too, when you go to open house to visit real estate agents, you have to understand that a lot of times um, in the very beginning, so when, the first, when a house first goes on the market, it's going to be like the hottest period. Okay. Sometimes when we talk about real estate listing, it's like a loaf of bread. When you first come out of the oven onto the shelf, that's when it, it's like the best time to buy this loaf of bread. And after you start sitting on the shelf for a few days, it starts going stale. It's the same with real estate listings. So once so once they have the, the first couple open houses, things are going to start slowing down. So that's when they have other agents from their office coming in to do open houses. And you also have to realize that a lot of times they're actually buyer's agents. They're not seller's agents because they want to come and meet potential sellers and also home buyers as well. So you have to be you have to be a little bit more mindful, like who you're talking with when you go see these open houses. They might not be the listing agent; they might just be the assistant of the agent who have a real estate license. But it's always good to chat because if you, especially like after in the beginning where the the listings start cooling down and there's less and less people in the open house. The agents are usually really bored. They're usually doing work or they're like on their computer doing things or they might be watching Netflix. I don't know. So it's a really good time to actually chat them up. And then even if they're like a buyer's agent, you can always ask like, hey, so like, you know, I'm a stager. I would love to talk to someone about my services. Are there any agents in the office that you would recommend me that to get in touch with? So those are kind of ways for you to really meet potential clients in the very beginning. But basically just figure out where everybody hangs out. For example, in our town, there's a real estate agent. They open up a bar 
And it's literally called the office, which is like the cutest name, I think, for the bar. But because it's opened by real estate agents, a lot of agents hang out at the bar. So that was a really good way. Like if you if you know a real estate agent, you'll be like, hey, do you want to go to the office for a drink? And you know, we just go and then meet other real estate agents there. So yeah, so like basically put yourself into situations, like into social situations where there are going to be a lot of agents hanging out and just be creative about it and do a lot of Googling, especially Facebook events. There are a lot of real estate agents holding like seminars now, like, you know, seller seminars. So those are really good ways to get your foot in, especially people who are doing seller seminars and they don't have a stager during those seminars. That can be a really good way to just kick in and say, hey, you know, I found out you're doing this home selling seminar and you don't have a stager. I would love to come speak for maybe just five to 10 minutes. I have a a little slide deck that I can show where I can just talk about, you know, why or some of the suggestions, what people can do to really spruce up their home values. And I would love to just bring some bottled waters and snacks to, you know, or even like some uh, simple cocktail or, you know, wine in the box, whatever it is. Um, free food to kind of help you with the seminar. So that would be a really good way in as well. The other thing too, don't think just in terms of real estate agents. There are a lot of people who want to do business with real estate agents, but they also don't know how to approach them. So for example, mortgage people, they always want to do business with real estate agents. So they're really good people to partner up with. Um, Photographer, photographer is huge because even if they don't stage, they might hire a photographer. But you have a photographer that you like to work with, you like working with on your portfolio and stuff like that, or in previous shoots, you guys can actually team up. Because that's a really, like a really nice visual package to go after a real estate agent. So those are a few tidbits for you, like a few tips for you to, um, to start network. In terms of website, I would just keep it very simple in the beginning. We use Squarespace for our website, stagemore.com. And for my personal photography website, I use squarespace.com as well. I mean, all the templates already come with pre-designed font combination and layouts and stuff. And you just basically plug and play. And I think it's one of the easiest platform. And also the SEO is really good. I know people are using Wix or other ones, but I think compared to all the ones I've looked at, Squarespace is probably the easiest to get started with. And also among these plug and play type of website, I think SEO, search engine optimization is the strongest as well. WordPress obviously is super strong in terms of SEO, but the thing is there's a bit of learning curve. So if you don't know HTML or you don't really learn, like I I would say if you want to run a WordPress website, you should learn some sort of basic coding just so you know what CSS is or HTML because you will encounter it um, once you get kind of, you know, um, deep into the WordPress development land. But yeah, the learning curve is a lot higher with WordPress. And also what I didn't like about, because we our website was on WordPress for almost a decade. I think to get it to look very professional and polished, it can be very expensive on WordPress or you want to add capabilities. And Squarespace is kind of like a website in a box. You literally... I mean, I can knock out a website with five simple pages in a couple hours once I have all the copy written for the website and also all the photos for it. You just literally paste everything in. It's super easy and it's 
basically a really nice solution in the box. You also don't have to pay separate for hosting. If you use a WordPress website, you have to find a hosting company like Bluehost or GoDaddy to host the physical website because you have all these files, right? Like web pages, they need a place to live on the internet. So hosting is kind of like storage. So you need to do that every year. Um, you need to buy a domain as well. And you need to like register, and, you know, just like all these technical stuff. And that's why I think Squarespace was the easiest um, kind of business in a box solution. And we're not being sponsored by Squarespace. I'm just saying that because from my experience, it's probably the easiest one to use. And then business name, I would say just come up with something that's really easy to remember. And also if the domain name is not taken, that's really ideal. Like for example, when we have, when I came up with the name Stagemore, I basically bought that in every single domain possibility, even misspell ones. I don't want any sort of brand, conf- brand confusion. So we own stagemore.com, for example. On, on basically most of the major social media, we are at stagemore. So those are kind of things you want to think about in terms of longevity of the business. A lot of times people use their name where they come up with a really cute name. But yeah, like I think business name is really not super crucial. It's really about the brand that you build. Like what kind of service are you providing? What are some of the things that really differentiate yourself from your competitors? I think as long as it's easy to remember and it looks very, you know, like elegant or timeless or just looks very simple, but, you know, like uh, minimalistic or whatever it is, I think as long as it has some sort of style to it, I wouldn't be super worried about it. Same thing with your branding. I think in the beginning, everyone's always asking, should I hire a web designer? Should I hire a brand designer? Should I design? Should I get a logo design? All this stuff. I think those are kind of like the shiny objects that can cost a lot of money. And if you had the budget to do that, sure. But I think your money is more well invested in things like figuring out how to market yourself in your marketplace in terms of how do you get yourself out there, like printing business cards or postcards, that kind of thing. Or also like figuring out like where to buy the best inventory or just save the money for actual inventory when you are booking jobs. So I think those those are kind of things that you have to figure out in the very beginning what are some of the shiny objects and what are the things that you can DIY, do it yourself. Like website, for example, just, just use something like Squarespace, plug and play, put photos in, write copy, get it on there so people can have a website to look at. They can look at your portfolio when you're starting out. Um, on the internet, and then you can start registering for like Google Business Directory, which is important, you know, all this stuff. So, so yeah, in the beginning, I really would not really worry about these kind of things or just logistics, and then just really focusing on things that really need to be invested on. Like, for example, business license, liability insurance, those kind of things. Those are the things that you definitely want to invest in. In terms of portfolio, I wrote a blog post because people ask about this a lot. Basically, I'll link it in our show notes as well. But basically, I think in the beginning, a lot of people are afraid. They're like, well, I'm not booking jobs here. How do I get up? How do I get portfolio going? But the thing is that you can stage your own house. You can stage your cousin's house, your friend's house, your mom's house. 
no one's going to know those are not real paying clients. Um, the, the key thing is that you're able to show what you can do as a home stager. So the clients, when they hire you, they, they understand in terms of what you can do to help them get their house sold. It's really just a way for you to showcase your ability. And so in the beginning, I really wouldn't worry about not having paying client because you can just basically borrow a room. You know, you can do your own bedroom, redo it and photograph it, show the before and after from the same angle. So people understand what they're looking at kind of thing. So yeah, so I wouldn't super worry about your portfolio, but just really pick the best photos. I want to say with portfolio, a lot of times I see people just like dump all the photos they get from the photographers onto the website. I am really not a fan of that because there's really no point for you to show quantity. It's really about quality. Like what are some of the best photos that really showcase you and really tell the story of who you are as a home stager. So those are kind of things I will pay attention to when you're building your portfolio. And then casual budget, I would say in the beginning, I get emails sometimes where people told me they quit their job to start a home staging business. It's not something I normally recommend because just like if you go to like a small business association, like SBA asking for business advice, it will always ask you to save up and keep maybe six to nine months of living expense reserve on the side, just in case you haven't booked clients yet. Because in the beginning, it can be very difficult kind of figuring out where your spot is. You're just trying to get yourself established or you're trying to do as many jobs as you can. So it's really important to have money save aside, I think, to support living and building your business. Because in the beginning, business networking events can get costly. And there's a lot of free events you can go to. Like I went to tons of meetup.com like business or small business or networking type of events just to meet potential clients. Um, also, I went to tons of association meetings, association events. A lot of association events are networking events that cost money. Or in the beginning, if you want to really get involved with your local association, they're going to ask you to join as an affiliate, that kind of thing. So you kind of really need to figure out where where the best area for you to invest your startup capital. And this is why going back to the business plan is really helpful because they're going to ask you those questions like on some of the things that you need to think about to budget in. There's no such thing as a magic number. I get a lot of emails. People always like, what is the magic number of how much inventory I should buy? What is the magic number of how should I price? What is the magic number, you know, I need to budget to start up the business? The truth is there's no, there's not a magic number because it depends on your business model as well, which is the other thing that your business plan helps you to plan out. Because a lot of times people are like, I want to be a home stager. So, okay, let's be more specific. Do you want to do redesign? Do you want to do consultations? Do you want to do vacant staging? Do you want to do all of the above? Do you want to do lottery homes? Do you want to do niche homes? You know, like... Do you want to do Airbnbs? Do you want to do vacation homes? Do you want to do starter homes? Do you want to do mid-century homes? Do you want to do like arts and crafts homes? You know, what is it that you're doing as a home stager, right? Like being a home stager can be very broad. So yeah, so those are my advice to you on those type of things. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. 
You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging.